Hello, hello. Anybody there? Hello, hello. Can oh, you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Lovely to hear from you. It's a little bit early. It's about seven o'clock, but I wanted to thank you so much for your time. And I must apologize beforehand. I'm a little bit under the weather, just a touch under the weather that it might uh, make me sound a little bit wonky. So I apologize beforehand. No problem. Um, I found in no matter what I'm doing that the audio sometimes always makes you sound a little funky. <laughs> like all the time you hear that and you go, oh my God, did I, do I sound like this? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I ask no myself problem. that every single day. Like, why do I sound like this? What? Like I've been at this for so long, but yet I still I sound like this. <laughs> yeah. So let's get yeah. started, shall we? Right. Uh, let's start at the beginning and then we'll work our way to the present if that works for you. Sure. Excellent. So can you tell me where you're from, uh, where your journey began, first of all? Sure. So I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but I'm not from there. Um, I'm from rural New Hampshire. So that's a journey in and of itself. But long story short, I moved to upstate New York for college and then um, in graduate school, I moved to Syracuse, New York, and then Milwaukee, Wisconsin to do my doctorate. Mm. Um, and I stayed because <laughs> then I met my husband and now we have uh, a son and I've been here 15 years. So <laughs> that's, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard yeah, to and move. And I don't plan on leaving. Once you have a kid in the picture, it definitely causes uh, some uh, second thoughts and rethinking and looking at what's best for the family. and things of that nature. Yeah, so. And I, and I remember like when I was on the job market, you know, for, uh, I'm a professor. So I was on the job market and it was, bef I was married, but I didn't, we didn't have any children. And I said to my mom, who's still in New Hampshire, um, I said, Hey, if, if y'all want me to move closer, now's your shot because <laughs> like I'm looking at jobs and she was like, no, I mean, she's like, of course I want you to, but you have to live your life. So I did, um, you know, and it was great. And, I ended up getting a job not too far from where I am, but yeah, it's once you, and once we had that kid, it was over. So we had to stay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's for the best. Now, so it's been a minute. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So do you recall the first time that you started to get creatively involved or discovered writing? Um, it was really early. My mom says that when I was really little, like four, five, you know, I was reading voraciously. Uh, I learned to read pretty early, I guess she says, because I don't remember a time when I couldn't read. Right. So like it had to be pretty early. Mm. Uh, I mean, who knows? Right. <laughs> um, but I think I, I just always loved it. I was read to a lot as a kid. Um, and then I read a lot. So I think for me it was together, but I remember like second or third grade, you know, you had to do these sort of second and third grade in the eighties, uh, compositions on yellow paper. I don't know yeah. if you remember. Oh yeah. So that yellow line paper, you know, you'd have like the teacher would say the vocabulary word of the week or something, and you would have to write sentences about that. <laughs> uh, and I think I remember writing longer, like you had to write a sentence about the word of the week, which was, I don't know anything. Um, and you, I would write like a paragraph instead of a sentence, right? Yeah. So I think at that moment, I was kind of like, oh, is this a thing that not other kids are doing? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be an attorney. Um, 
and because I'm Jewish, and so you you have two choices. Um, <laughs> and so I wanted to be an attorney, and I love that, and I still do actually love the law. But he said, I mean, you can do what you want. You're 12 or you're 13, but I really think you have this talent, this voice, and I'm seeing it. And I started to write a lot then, and like poetry in particular, but short stories. And I think I never looked back after that. Mm. Did you feel like you needed to have some kind of blessing from your parents, or was that something like you were going to do regardless of whether they approved of this career path or not? Well, that's a great question. Um, I don't know because my parents are really supportive. <laughs> so they, I mean, maybe. Um, they have always been really supportive. Um, they they paid for me to go to uh, a small liberal arts college in upstate New York to get a degree in English without batting an eye. So I, I mean, I don't know why they did that, um, but they did. So I think that, and they're thrilled for me. So I think that they... I mean, I don't know. I've never asked them. I should ask them. Um, were they a little miffed? But I think they, no, they were really supportive. I think they thought that I would figure it out too, that, you know, your undergraduate degree doesn't necessarily, like there's It doesn't that, define right, what your life is going to turn you. out like. Right. And that I was going to get a job, that I had to get a job, you know, doing something and that I would find my way. You know what I mean? So like my mom yeah. has, she was an elementary school teacher, but now she's an antique dealer and she raised us and she, so, I mean, she has a degree, right? And it's like, she uses it, but she didn't use it in her antique business. That's lovely because there's this sort of wisdom that, that occurs with some parents where they say you have enough lives to do what you want to do. And there's no need to really completely get uh, bent out of shape over the first step that you're going to make in this long series of steps. And I think that for some of us, I mean, it wasn't so much that way. So I really appreciate that your parents were able to say, you know what, just figure it out. It's okay. If you want to do this for now, that's totally fine. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, the, just they had rules mm -hmm. like, and they had incense, like they were like, look, I'm not going to pay for more than four years and you're not <laughs> going to switch majors six times. And you're not, you know, like, so they were yeah. kind of like that, uh, understandably. You know, because mm -hmm. it was their lots of money that they were spending. Um, <laughs> you know, like they said, you got it when the, when you declare your major, like declare it when you can, but you better be really sure because yeah. we don't, you can't take six more semesters, right? Sure. Or something like that. So, like, I think they had enough of that mm -hmm. um, pushing back. I mean, my dad is an account. Well, he's, I mean, he's about to be retired and he doesn't work as an accountant anymore, but his degree is in accounting. And he told me he, uh, you know, was told as, as many parents tell their children both in the sixties and till now that, you know, get a degree in something that will pay your bills, like for a job, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And so he did, and he likes accounting, I think, but I think he would have rather have been like a vet or something else. And so I think <laughs> yeah. enough of that, got to him and he was like, Oh, I got this degree and I liked it, but it wasn't his like passion. Right. And I think for me, it was clear that English and writing and teaching were my passions and that, you know, I mean, I went and got three degrees in, in it. So <laughs> if I didn't love it, I'd be really sad. <laughs> right. So if I may ask, before we get into writing a little bit more, sure. what drew you to law just as an interest and, and that curiosity? 
think part of it was because um, it's interesting. It's fascinating. We always, uh, since the time we were kids, um, my parents didn't shield us from like the issues of the world. I mean, I lived in rural New Hampshire, right, with a thousand people. So like, mm. I mean, everybody was white and nobody looked, you know what I mean? It yeah, was like, yeah. but, but. I mean, my family is Jewish, so I think there was a little bit of an outsiderness. But I think I was just fascinated by it, and we didn't really have cable, so I didn't like watch any shows. Um, you know, we weren't really allowed to watch a lot of TV. Uh, I think I because I was supposed to, but also it's fascinating, and I like now what I think I when I talk to my friends who are lawyers and stuff. Like I like the analysis, right? Mm. It's very granular. Yeah. Uh, it's very, I mean, law is written in words, right? They're not some things you can pull out of the air, uh, uh, pull off a shelf and go, look, here's a law. Sure. It's this uh, thing in writing that we've written and said, Hey, look, this is what it says, man. You got to follow it. Um, and how we interpret. So I think that aspect, plus I really liked arguing. Um, <laughs> and I was sassy and I was, you know, and everybody said you'd make a good lawyer. And I probably would have because I'm also really stubborn and determined and mm. you know, the best way to get me to do something is to tell me I can't. Yeah. Um, and so I think <laughs> there were lots and I did, I'm a nerd. I was a nerd since the time I popped out with my mom, but like in seventh grade, I did mock trial. Oh and yeah. Yeah. I did that till like sophomore year of high school and I loved it. <laughs> doing the and prep, the doing acting. the behind the scenes stuff. Too. behind the scenes and planning and you have to act a little bit like you play a witness you play an like i i liked acting and i liked you know all this stuff so like i loved it i miss it i yeah. still miss my trial like, there is I, kind of a theatricality to it isn't it like just the the process of the judicial system and and uh, the way that it unfolds there is a little bit of theatricality there <laughs> I think. it is and what's interesting is when you've done that, and I mean, they try, or at least they did in the 90s, you know, try to make it as accurate as possible. Um, but you would like, you know, you 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 could object to the lawyer, right? You could say, mm -hmm. and but there's ways you can do it and there's ways you can't. And if you yeah. want to say something, you can't just ask that question, right? Like, because mm -hmm. otherwise you're leading the witness or otherwise you're, you know, and you, what's interesting is when I was in graduate school and taking my qualitative, quantitative survey methods research class i there's ways like if i ask you a question about a survey if i want to know something you know people are kind of unconsciously manipulated by things right so hmm. i have to ask like what's your favorite animal when i really want to know like other something else sure sure right? you have to find another way in that is acceptable to the situation almost or a way that they wouldn't immediately uh, be closed off by Right, exactly. Yeah. And so like that's similar. So I would just remember sitting there in like graduate school going, hey, this is mock trial. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved every bit of that and still do. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and, and, and I'm glad I ended up where I am for sure. Uh, and I don't really, I mean, I say to people, I want a law degree. I need a law degree and I probably <laughs> will get one someday, but I, um, but I, but I, I'm glad I ended up where I ended up. Mm -hmm. And so just to transition over to the writing again a bit, I am curious how much of this interest for specificity, for just being you in terms of your personality, how you have grown into your writing style or how that has 
been adopted into the writing style that you have now. Do you see some overlap there? It's yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes and no. I mean, so I don't have an MFA, right? I don't have I take maybe two or three creative writing classes in my whole life. So I don't have that traditional workshop training. What I do have is a literature background, right? So mm. and you know all of that. So that is to say I didn't start writing as a poet until 2016 uh, mm. a serious I mean I wrote in high school and in some in college sure. but nothing serious um and so I think for me it's been a bit of a journey finding my voice finding that style and I do meet with um a mentor and she's lovely and it's what's interesting is we met this week and one of the things she said to me I don't know I think it was Monday uh wednesday no it was wednesday so today's sunday so it's like five days ago hmm. she said that i was doing this thing where i'm putting this random you or in a poem or you know all of a sudden in stanza six there's this thing that we haven't earned throughout the rest of it hmm. and she said you know you have to be really specific the more specific you can be the more universal you are so i think it's still something i'm working with um you know as a as a as a poet, right? You, I mean, I have good days and bad days. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And it's hard to know what you don't know, but I'm curious of this idea of the workshop setting of learning how to be a poet versus a literary background that's al almost historical, right? Where you have a yeah. sense of what came before and, and maybe that can help you create your own work differently. Do you think that there are differences that can't be overcome in those two settings um that can't be reconciled i guess i should say that can't be reconciled yeah in terms of how you're learning or what you're learning that i mean i wish i knew um yeah i i, I in some ways i think yes that there are because and this is going to sound really petty uh <laughs> but i don't have the the pedigree right of having an mfa that people know right mm -hmm. and i've never been into it I'm, like i i never even sat in one class so like i could be totally wrong but from what i've seen and i'm not bashing and i like one of my best friends has one and she's brilliant sure but it's not but they have i think it, it, if not connections they have access to connections mm -hmm. and access to other writers that that i just don't have mm -hmm. right or that i have to make myself like i found right writing on Twitter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a community that's amazing and supportive and wonderful. And I mean, there's this whole conversation perennial, right? Like, are the people who publish in the, you know, poetry magazine or the Kenyan review or, you know, all these huge ones, do they really represent the best poetry? Probably not. Mm. They're just right? perhaps have access to the right connections or the right environments that would facilitate that kind of yes uh, and of course it's incredibly yes and of course that's incredibly fraught right because so many people who have mfas you know are still struggling to get their work out so i'm not saying mm -hmm. the minute you get an mfa from randolph or sure. whatever you know people are clamoring down i mean especially women people of color uh queer anyone any identity that's not a white man is still not mm -hmm. You know, but I still see 
oh, okay, these or these people were able to 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 sort of have access to different stuff sure. that I had. Now that said, I've still published some stuff, right? <laughs> so I mean, I can't. I mean, I might have to do it a different way, and I do have to. I mean. The thing about workshops is that they're workshops. They are what they are and they're useful for what they are. But so many people are saying you still have to figure it out on your own, what your hmm. voice and style and, and everything's going to be. And so I just kind of went the hard way first. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, that's great to hear because it leads me to think about something that I get so hung up on, which is the pedigree thing, right? Um, as a poet, I'm very much a novice. I have very little understanding of what makes an actual poem click for as right. an outsider i can i can really barely just start to get it even after interviewing about you know dozens of poets at this point i'm barely starting to figure out that sense of nuance but in terms of benchmark for you personally what are some things that you are establishing or have established to get better that's a great question. One, um, I still meet, I've been meeting with this uh, lovely woman, my mentor, since the beginning. Mm. So I meet with her every, I mean, sometimes it's every two weeks, sometimes it's every month. So I, oh, and she's a rigorous editor, right? So like <laughs> she, and she gets me though, right? So, yeah. so I, I, I mean, I do that constantly. Um, I also have a group of, of readers, of uh, friends and um, who I really trust. And who are excellent readers too. So I will send any of them going, you know, at any stage, right? Uh, and say, is this anything or where mm. where's the problem? And they're honest and they tell me whether I take it is a whole other issue. But most of the time they're right. Um, <laughs> or something's off and maybe, you know, so I, I do that. Um, I am also, because I'm a writing professor, uh, not a creative writing professor, but because I'm a writing professor, I try to practice what I preach is that revision is your friend. Mm. So I'm never, I'm rarely, if ever doing one or two versions of a poem and then I'm done. Mm. Um, and I read a lot. Like I read a ton of poetry. Well, I'd like to read more, but I try to start reading a lot of what's out there, mm -hmm. uh, both classic and, or, or, you know, established like the poets have been dead for 20 years <laughs> and newer stuff. Um, just to see what's, and, and I learned from that. So I think those having really good readers and pushing myself to like, no, this poem could get taken right now, mm. but, but Kathleen is not going to like it or Kathleen, <laughs> not even that she's not going to like it, but she's going to say, there's a clause there that she's going to say, but the syntax doesn't work or you haven't earned this, you, you know, and, and, and that it's not because I'm writing for her. It's just that she's right, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I have her voice in my head in, in, in the way that I'm always going, wait a minute, do these things add up? Or is this just lovely language for the sake of like, look, I can put these fancy words together. Um, and that's, you know, I think that that forces me to, to, to revise and to, to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea of you coming from, uh, this position of being an educator and teaching composition to switching gears to poetry is really intriguing to me because do you feel like sometimes you could get lost in the weeds of syntax or, or just actual English composition rather than just looking at uh, a more organic way of looking at a poem? Or is it always guided by 
what you know best, which is rhetoric and composition? That's a good question. Um, I think sometimes I definitely get in the weeds, right? Of mm. syntax or commas, or do I take this dash out? You know, things like the editing stuff. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, right? You just, uh, because you can't, I, I mean, I think you can't not, right? Um, <laughs> but how's that for grammar? Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, I think what's interesting is, and she, my mentor used to teach composition and writing too. So she sort of gets that. She says, we'll be at a point in a poem and we're talking about possibilities and revision and all of that. And she'll say, but isn't this what you would tell your students, right? That the minute you write it down, doesn't, you can always change it. And so like, sometimes I do have to realize, oh, there's this whole body that I know that I know like the back of my hand, right? From my background about writing that I can put it aside right? Like yeah. that, these lines that aren't working here doesn't mean that they're never going to work. Um, and I know that because I teach that, but sometimes I don't practice it. Mm. And I have to remind myself. So it's both, right? Like, yeah, definitely. In fact, I'm revising something. I'm putting together a, a, a book manuscript and like, I am in the weeds about <laughs> everything. I'm like, who, who wrote this thing? And why is there a line right there? And that is me, right? The answer is like, I'm that friend. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, but I'm in the weeds and I'll like text it to somebody and go like one of my friends and I'll go, okay, does this make sense? And they're like, yes. And I go, what about this? And they're like, yes. So they're not, they're like, what do you do? And I've like put a comma somewhere. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely. And at that point I just got to go, all right, I'm going to go eat a burrito. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you can't, I mean, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the week. Uh, I, also sometimes have the opposite problem where I think it makes perfect sense syntactically and everyone's like, where is the subject here? And mm. I went, it's right there. Oh, four stanzas up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, beautiful. And it gives me a wonderful catchphrase to shout whenever I'm fed up with everything. I'm just going to scream, you know, put the pen down and say, I'm going to go eat a burrito. It's, it's such I a mean, punctuation. I mean, it's life. I love it. And, and yeah. Like you, it, I don't know if you have kids, but like mine's only seven. But even when he was little, and yeah. even now, he sometimes he's just hangry. Yeah, yeah. I do and have like, one. Whatever, yeah, I have a nine-year-old. Right, and whatever we're right doing there. isn't working because he literally just needs a snack, right? And I know that that's silly, but like sometimes, and maybe the snack is I need to take a walk, right? Or maybe it's something else. But yeah, sometimes you get into that point where like, oh, is this not working, or do I just need to eat a burrito? Yeah. We forget that we're not machines. We forget that we need to step away from the project, the process, and actually say, no, we're actually part of a larger ecosystem and we need to go and refuel, process, yeah. and think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, how familiar you are with um, Louise Gluck. But she's an amazing poet. She just mm. won the Pulitzer like a couple of years ago. And I read her collected uh, poems and they were incredible. But one of the things she said was like, she, I mean, she had a teaching job and it was in the seventies. It was easier to not to, it's not like the job market now. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, had said part of what I do in my life is live my life. And that is mm -hmm. how I get these poems. Right. So it's, it's amazing to think 
And Sharon Old said, used to say that too. She would say like, I don't know when another one is going to come and I don't know if I'll ever get one yeah. again, but I'm living my life and then one comes. And so you're right. And I think the point of art and poetry, whether it's, you know, a painting or a music or whatever, is to bring us back to the fact that we're not machines, right? Like mm-hmm. that's an amazing insight. Like mm. I'm in, uh, in the weeds on the process of going, oh my God, you know, is this working? Right. Yeah, and you're yeah. right. We do need, we, I, I, at that moment, I'm thinking of myself as a machine. Yeah. And I think the issue is we just get so lost and caught up in the speed of information now that we forget that perhaps the storyteller, the poet, the creative's job is to just slow down for a sec and not have these huge expectations of, I got to crank out a poem every single week every single day, even. I I know some folks who are just consistently machines, but there is this issue that I'm having to reconcile now that, yes, I believe in habit, I believe in routine and writing shitty poems, but I also believe that perhaps I should just quit for a moment and breathe. And Twitter, as much as I love it, just makes me feel overwhelmed sometimes. Like, maybe I'm just not doing enough. (laughs) Maybe I'm just... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I've been medicated for anxiety for almost two decades. Right. Mm. So like, that's always my, like, I'm an anxious person. So I'm always like, Oh my God. (laughs) But the other thing is, and Twitter helps and not right at the same time, Yeah. but I've always also been, and I still struggle with this. Like this is, I've been in this six years and I'm not, I'm a little closer to little closer to this, but that moment where like, I still never know if, Mm -hmm. If I haven't written in a few days, right, or a few weeks, maybe a couple weeks, and I don't have any phrases rattling around in my head, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, I may never get another poem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, shit, right? <laughs> and what am I going to do? And um, I have a friend, one of my best friends, and I text him a lot, and I'll say whatever, and he goes, yeah, and in two days, you're going to write it. Like, the floodgates are going to open. Mm-hmm. That's because he's learned, like, once I get, and usually he's right, that once I get to that, oh, shit, I haven't written anything. Like, this is the last poem I'm going to get. Usually within a week, I get something. Yeah. Um, but, but I still, I mean, sometimes I'll go four weeks without a damn word. And I go, oh, my God. <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, yeah. um, I am not. And routine is important. Absolutely. Like, it's, you know, butt to chair and clicking out those words, right? Like, yeah. that's, I mean, any you ask any writer, they'll tell you. But at the same time. You know, I can't write, I, and maybe this is because I am not as good of a poet as I think I am, um, or whatever. I didn't have for a long time the luxury of that routine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still don't because I have a day job and I have a son and a husband and a dog. And a, <laughs> so, of a, you know, like every morning at two, I do this. <laughs> um, but I also, I also see the other side of that, right? As you were saying, is that like, what am I going to write about if I'm, all I'm doing is clicking this out? Hmm. Yeah. And that's a good reminder. It's just great insight because we just have to be able to balance the idea of, of being able to catch something by taking a breath, by slowing down, but also not losing that cycle or that slight routine. I think that that's just kind of the balance that we always have to strike. But speaking of your books, because you've written a couple of books already and, and you have a third one coming. Is that correct? Yes, okay. I have one. I just talked to my editor. Everything got backed up from the pandemic and the and the supply shortages. So he's a saint that <laughs> I've been emailing him like every month, like, where are we? And he's probably like, 
get rid of this woman. Um, <laughs> early October, my third book is coming out, but it's like two years old already. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, that's the cycle. yeah. Um, so I, yeah, and I'm I just put to, in in the interim. I've been writing, um, and I'm just putting together. Like I was just looking at it right before this interview. Um, uh, starting to put together a collection, but it's it's very like, do I want to put this one here or not? Or does this poem even go stage? So yeah. we're not even shipping it yet. Okay. And I'm sure that's going to take a little bit of time. So while that does, can Just we, yeah, can we talk <laughs> about how you arrived at your first book, Never One for Promises? Can you tell me about what that one's about and how you arrived at that, um, that project? Okay. That's a great question. And I'll try to be brief. Um, <laughs> I hadn't written anything in about a decade. And then because I was in grad school and I was in a great program and there were the poets and the writers in their MFA PhD and then there was the rest of us. So, um, and they were lovely, but I just didn't think I was going to be a writer and I was okay with it. I was like, you know what, when I'm 35, I'll do something. Hmm. Um, and I got a job and then, you know, I had a poem and it came to me like, I'll, and I posted it to Facebook as you do. And my friends were like, actually, that doesn't suck. And I was like, really? <laughs> and they were like, no, actually, that's, I mean, you need to revise the hell out of it. But like, actually, that's not bad. And I'm like, but they're my friends. And long story short, um, another poet I went to grad school with, his name is Derek Harrell, and he's at Ole Miss right now. And he is just, he is absolutely the nicest guy, hardest working guy, and straight fire as a poet. Like, mm. he'll knock you, your teeth out. Um, he said to me, actually, that really doesn't suck. And actually, you should like think about doing something with this and i said what <laughs> um and he said no really get yourself like a writing group and like do it so i found my mentor uh kathleen and uh we just started workshopping poems right so i was writing she was reading them and eventually you know you start to think okay i'm gonna try to get this published and i did uh you know, this poem here, that poem here. And then all of a sudden, like she said, you know, hey, you've got 25 decent poems. Let's see if we can put them together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of them were published or some of them were coming out. So, so I did. I mean, I didn't expect that really yeah. uh, until it started happening. So I started getting more poems and well, some of them totally sucked, <laughs> but, um, but they were getting better and people were taking them. You know, these yeah. online independent but they were taking them. Editors were taking some of them, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh. So the book is about, I mean, it's my very first book. And so I read it now and I go, oh my God, who published this? <laughs> um, but there's some good things in there. I think it was me kind of exercising with the oath, like the demons, right? Like the um, like the exorcist. Uh, mm -hmm. The the my 20s. <laughs> 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 i get it yeah yeah because <laughs> i was like 30 well so i was 33 34 when i started writing um so that you know my 20s um and it's about relationships it's about navigating like is this you know what what does it mean right to be in your 20s and mm -hmm. and have to make these decisions um about who you're gonna be with about the imperfections of kind of relationships but it's i mean i just think it's also about and i have some greek mythology in there like i have a a poem that i secretly just love and it's so ridiculous but it's called venus in the shower mm. um so you know i did some of the you know for my rhetoric and my classical literature background it comes in there um 
So I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's what that, that one is about for sure. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wonderful. Now there is a, a question that I'm thinking about here in terms of publishing. How did you bridge that gap of feeling like, is this work good to I'm sending out to publish or for consideration for a journal or a lit mag or stuff mm. like that? Well, I think it was my mentor who said, okay, I think this poem's done and it doesn't suck, right? You should <laughs> okay. try. Okay. Um, because I didn't know anything, right? So that's kind of what I'm paying her for, right? At the be especially at the beginning. I was like, I'm not, uh, when does one do this? And she was mm -hmm. like, when you have something ready, yeah, you know, and this one's ready or this one's ready or this one will be ready next week, things like that. So she did guide me through that sort of, no, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? You never know. Yeah. And like, even now when I'm old hat at it for doing it, like, I never know who's going to take something. And most of the time they don't. Right. And mm -hmm. like, that's fine. I'm like, Oh, I guess this one. Okay. Yeah. Or they'll take one. <laughs> and I'm like, you took that one, but not this one that I like. Okay. Weirdos. <laughs> like, right. Like you just, or they don't take anything or they take it. I mean, as you know, yeah. like you just never know. Um, so, I mean, she was the one who really said, like i think this one's ready to send out and she still says to me this one's ready this one isn't um and sometimes i now you know it's been six years so i go i'm making my own decisions and sometimes <laughs> i'm wrong and sometimes i'm not you know yeah but but yeah i mean i had her to say that um yeah. and it's just a marvelous thing to be reminded that a mentor is just one of the most important things that somebody can do when starting to dive into any of these creative endeavors because they always seem to just give you enough that a good one anyway will just sort of instill certain practices will be a good benchmark but also get you on the right path for you to start finding confidence in your own decisions do you feel like that's yeah. sort of the benefit of that absolutely to find your voice to find yourself and she'll always say, even now, well, it's your poem. <laughs> like, don't. And I go, but this is why I'm paying you. Like, um, yeah. But it's true. Like, you have to have readers that get you, that understand you, that want not because it's what they want to read, but because they want this poem to be the best that it can be. Mm. Right? And that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, and that's a big deal. And those people are rare, uh, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and I have a, a lovely friend. She actually, her name is Elizabeth, and she um, is also a, a English professor. And we met at a conference. But she, her chapbook, won in twenty twenty for their um, the rattle or what was the frontier or rattle prize because um, mm -hmm. her book was amazing. And I read it. And one of the things that she says is, I have this lovely writing group with you know writers that, and we go on retreats and we're lifelong friends, and it's amazing. And she says, and they're great, and I get a lot from them. But she goes, but they're not poets. Mm. And I read her stuff, and I go, but this, no. Because I understand poetry. Like, I can't write sentences. <laughs> like, I can write academic sentences. I can write poetic sentences. But I, I, don't, do, I don't know what may. I mean, I, I, I look at stories that I like, you know. Yeah. But I can't. I don't know what makes a good short story or not. Um, and I'm not entirely sure I know what makes a good poem either. But that's a whole other issue. Um, <laughs> but, but I could say to hey, you know, this line, but read that and we'll read it out loud together, you know? 
and she'll go, I'll go break it here, break it, or something, and get it as a poem. And I think she has said to me, oh yeah, I need to have poets read my poetry. And it, it, even, I mean, fiction readers, I mean, they're great. Her friends are great. And I, and if she hears this, she's going to be like, don't say that. Um, but I, because I'm not trying to out anybody. I'm just trying to say that like, you have to find somebody who gets your work for what it is and gets you for what you are. Right. And feedback is feedback and all feedback is helpful, even if it's not something you can take. Right. It's useful to know like, oh, I'm not going to take that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like it's uh, it's amazing to have all kinds of feedback. And I sometimes, you know, I have a friend who's not a writer at all. And I'll say to him, here's what I wrote. And he goes, that's beautiful. Or this sounds different. Or he'll go, I think this needs to be two poems. And sometimes he's right. And sometimes he's not. But that tells me, okay, even if he's totally wrong, there was something in that poem that didn't work. Mm. So, yeah, it's nice to get different perspectives, not within the same echo chamber, in a sense, because you're, you got to test it in different, under different situations, it seems. To you really do have see to road it, test it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really do. Because I'm, I mean, poetry is not the hottest market. Um, <laughs> but other people who, I mean, I read fiction, right? I'm a poet and I read fiction. I read nonfiction. Yeah. Um, and I think most artists, even if they're painters or musicians or whatever, read stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, so uh, somebody or my dad read all of my has read all of my books and my dad. I mean, he's a reader, but my dad doesn't get poetry like, but he's like, this is great. And I go, thanks, dad. Um, you know, but I, I have to kind of think of like my dad out there and my mom who are not, I mean, they're super educated and brilliant and wonderful, but they're not writers. Mm. You know, they're certainly not poets. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. So you have to go out of your way to really test that writing, to find that kind of resolve, to get it outside of the comfort zone of, of response. I agree for yeah. sure. And I mean, yeah. and I think that's true to pick up on a thread earlier. Like I tell my students that all the time, right? Like you don't know, especially on the interwebs, like you don't know who's going to read your piece. Yeah. So lastly, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, this is when I tend to get hokey and start asking the aspirational questions, but I'm curious what your hope for is for the book that you have wor- that you're working on, what kind of challenges you're looking to tackle. If you could begin there. Sure. So for the the book I'm putting together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would one like to just put it together. That's easy because <laughs> um, it's not going very well right now. It'll go. I'm in the, you know, I'm in the weeds right now. Right. To say your thing. I'm like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I need to go eat a burrito. Uh, but um, I hope that I, I mean, I this is going to sound so bad and I'm trying not to say it in the way that I'm going to. But I'm going to do it anyway. I, I think it's the best work I've done so far. So I really, I hope it gets somewhere good. Um, I hope people read it uh, and they like it and they, it resonates for them um, because it's, you know, it's me trying out different stuff. So in terms of the challenges you said, like I, in this, the thing I'm working on is a series of, well, it's not all of that, but it's, I, I used um, some persona um Demeter, Hades, and Persephone to kind of recast that myth 
mm. um, in a different way, right? And yeah. to not tell the story chronologically or tell the story like it is a narrative, but what can we do with the poem? So some of that allowed me to like be, you know, actors who say like, oh, I played this character, but it enabled me to say things and do things I wouldn't normally have access to. Mm. Like if it weren't me, I, I've heard a lot of actors say something like that. Yeah. Um, and these voices allowed me to access a place or to say or explore something that, that I probably wouldn't have. Um, and not all the poems in the book are like that. I mean, some of them are like, your normal regular speaker right mm -hmm. um so the challenge was doing that and seeing like is this even gonna work like does anybody <laughs> care is is anybody gonna read it um like it and i so i hope that they do and i hope you know i've got some uh high aspirations for the sucker um in terms of presses and so i'm starting to look at which presses i want to mm -hmm. give it to and, and not that i don't love any of my other ones i do but I don't know. It's just, I think, I think it's a different market. Yeah. Um, what was the other part of your question? Um, that, that pretty much covers it. Oh, it okay, it's, yeah. Yeah. That was wonderful. Um, but you have spoken in most of the interview here about some references and things that have been inspiring you or drawing your attention in terms of classical works, you know, maybe the Greek myths, uh, maybe yes. other types of, of work like that. Can you give me works that completely blew you away the first time you read them whether you were younger or discovering these works later on in your education and what is inspiring you now okay that's a huge question i know um, we got let's pick three it's great okay three works that blew me away from the history of my reading till now um only three no um <laughs> i would say oh, this is such a hard question I would say, in terms of, I'm going to reinterpret your question, if that's okay. When I, I love said, that. Okay. Um, I was in high school, and I was a reader. I, I mean, there's so many books. I was starting to, like, we read Oedipus and Antigone, and, you know, all of those classics, and I loved them. But I read, um, and I forget who wrote this, and I should really look this up, um, a poem on Jocasta, who's Antigone, um, Oedipus's mother. Mm -hmm. And I was like, first of all, that name is badass. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> and, so, and I mean, it is. But second, I was so moved by that poem, by that moment, that I was like, oh. And I don't even think, like, I, I got to look this up and, like, find it. Um, but I had this moment of recognition, like, oh, okay. Like, this is what poetry can do, right? Mm. And then I read Marge Piercy. Um, around the same time and was like, oh, if she can do that, I, I want to do this. Mm. So in some sense, Marge Piercy is the reason I became a poet. Wow. Um, so is uh, Louise Gluck, actually. I went to a summer, I told you I was a nerd. So I went to this summer in between my junior and senior year of high school. I went to this summer school program, something that you had to get in. And, it's like, and I encountered her work for the first time. Mm. And I was like, this is weird and incredible. And I, uh, what? Like people could just do this. <laughs> um, and I already wanted to be a writer. So it wasn't like, so I would say March Piercy, Louis Gluck. And I would say since, since then, you know, I am blown away by people like Kava Akbar. Um, Gwendolyn Brooks is like the goat. Um, uh, Merwin spoke to me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Linda Gregg. Lately, Linda Gregg, man, is just, I don't know if you know her. She's been dead a while. No, I don't. She was uh, Jack Gilbert's partner for a while. And, oh, my God. Like, you'll start crying and not stop. Mm. I mean, she's incredible. So I think those are, influ- like, influences that really, but there's so many. Yeah, yeah. We are we are such a collection of more than three. And I know that's a tough question, but look at this list that you gave me. That's phenomenal. This is such a selfish question. And I always say that and people are getting tired of this response to it. But I just absolutely love the things that just lights people up. It really is sort of like the most contagious thing in the world for me. So I really appreciate oh, it. because no, Yeah, I love that you asked. I, I ask selfish questions in interviews all the time. <laughs> well, you know, I was looking really quick as you were saying was it ruth eisenberg there's a poem called yocasta from her point of view by a ruth eisenberg that i have not heard of before so i'll have to read it as soon as we're done with this interview um hopefully that's the right one right yeah yes it is it is okay yes it's ruth eisenberg and you know in another poem i'm gonna say that nobody else knows about either but (laughs) i read in college that was like flipping the switch on for me was gail mazur g-a-i-l-m-a-z-u-r it's called girl in a library Mm. and it's about um what's her name come on come on come on lizzie borden (laughs) oh yeah wow yeah and the first (laughs) line is i want to find my way back to her and i read that i was like well sold God, I mean, I love they had me Lizzie Borden, right? Like, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, that's just a, a perfect blend of the stuff that I love. So, yeah, I'm gonna well, go. Well, like, and she doesn't out. say it's about Lizzie Borden in the first line, but you read it and you're like, "This is an interesting line." You go and you're like, oh, "Lizzie, right? Exactly." Like every person I say this poem is about Lizzie Borden, and they're like, "Oh my god, I need it." Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they oh, had that wonderful. same reaction that you just did. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, I love it. So, last question here because you've sure. been uh, amazing and very generous with your time what is um let, let's go as general as we possibly can but aspirational because that's just how we roll i suppose sure why do we need to do this why is poetry important even though it's such a niche market and sometimes you win sometimes you lose you mostly lose in poetry but why do we need this this is such a good question one i'm going to say two things one because I think if you're going to write this poem, the person needs that outlet, right? Like, I don't know anybody who writes poetry because it pays well, <laughs> right? Because they, they're, they're drawn to it, they need it. But I, I, I have two actual real answers for this. One is that I think it forces, it, it, I think poetry in particular, art in general, always, but poetry in particular, al- tells the truth in that it allows us to see and slow down and and have a minute, have a moment. Um, and I think we need that. Um, the other thing is think of what happened in the pandemic, right? We all were home or most of us were home. Um, you know, we couldn't go to work, everything changed. And what do we do? We binged to watch our shows. We learned to make bread. We took up knitting. We wrote our song. We, we learned an instrument or played more, right? I mean, what did y'all, we read books, we wrote, we, you know, yeah, we played outside with our kids and yeah, we did, but like we made, we went to art. 
I mean, Netflix, everyone's like, but Netflix, I was like, yeah, who do you think writes those shows? Like, <laughs> are, we need artists and stage, you mean props and there's art, there are creators and artists. We went, we, we made stupid TikTok videos, right? Like we all, and they remember the sea shanty challenge. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's singing, that's art, right? We all did. We went to there because at a time when everything else was taken from us or we didn't have the same, we needed the connection. We needed, we had leisure time and we needed, we went to the, the thing that made us feel good or made us feel human or made us feel connected in some way, whether that was making bread or making a sculpture or learning guitar playing, what, I mean, you know, art, right? Mm. So, so I think we need it because we need it because it tells the truth. I mean, think of another, it's a quote I always botched, but you need two things for society an army and, and poets. Um, and like, think of who, like in the Russian, you know, the early 20th century Russian, they weren't like arresting the doctors, right? They were arresting the writers and the poets, mm -hmm. the, the fiction, the novelists, the, the people who spoke out and told something they were censoring, they weren't, and they were censoring the artists. They weren't going, yeah, you're an accountant. You can't no. <laughs> and not that we don't need those two. We absolutely do. It's just that when we think of like, so I think we need it because it's it it, it connects us and it, it tells the truth in the way that that maybe we haven't seen it before. I mean, look at an incredible painting, right? You yeah. see, and you're like, oh, I didn't know light could do that. Oh, wonderful! I think that that about does it. It's a remarkable note to end on. And Sarah, you're amazing. I think oh, I really you. thank you so much for your time, for this passion, this fire to emote to get the word out there to to challenge yourself to do something remarkable and better than what you had before and i really i really thank you for your time this has been amazing oh. and we could go on forever <laughs> i would love to but no thank you for having me i love doing this kind of thing yeah it's so yeah. fun to like to look at the questions and i'm just so thrilled you know we could connect and um when my book comes out let me know and, yes. Or I'll let, let me know where I send it to. I'll send I'll send you. Oh, uh, thank you. That yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And we'll I'll have to talk about it. So you know, I would once... love in October. I can come back. November, October, awesome. I can come back. I would love that. Once a friend of the show, always a friend of the show. Yay! Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'll leave you be, but I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and I hope we get to talk real soon on the internet. I would love it. Thank you. <laughs> Same to you. I hope you can get some uh, in mountain time there. Yours, um, some rest. That's <laughs> yeah. not something. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dr. Sarah. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Before I go, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying Arts Calling, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to these episodes. Every little bit helps to bring awareness about these wonderful artists that we're featuring on this podcast. And don't forget to say hi. I'm over on Twitter at Cruzfolio, and I would love to hear from you, love to know what you're working on, and I wish you the best in life and craft. Make art, make haste, and much love. Music